I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. Do they think the CIA did it? And if so, doesn't that would that wouldn't that make them left wing? He knows of CIA involvement. I know who shot John. Okay. It was allegedly at the... Okay, well, anyway. You're listening to Lame. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The uh, Lexington... Annual? Assu- annual annual. Marxist Experience. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jenry. And it's the 15th of January, 2023. Don't, don't tell me that I ever let you down. Never going to give you up? No, um, this is to the this is to the listener who has been tapping their foot for the last month, waiting for the next episode. Well, it's here. Which one of this podcast? No, which which listener? All of them. Yeah, the listener. <laughs> There's only it's you. I'm talking about you, the listener. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Okay, so should we talk about news? Yeah. All right, so this is a news podcast. Um, Two years running, baby. This is our anniversary podcast, Aaron. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we're really going to get it off with uh, with something that I think is really going to um, uh, bring the mood down. Uh, UK, the University of Kentucky, one of the largest holders of Native American remains that haven't been returned to tribes. This is by Monica Cast. So, yes. Um, In the Herald Leader. Yes, well, of course. Although ProPublica discussed it. Um, and what am I saying here? Um, I'm just checking the levels real quick. The William S. Webb Museum of Anthropology, located at UK, holds more than 4,500 Native American remains under NAGPRA, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. Federal institutions are required to return Native American remains and cultural items to tribes. The law was passed in 1990 by Congress, but most remains located at museums and universities have not been returned. Boom. Um, So UK is the sixth highest um, holder of Native American remains. Um, Top 10. Almost. Yeah, sadly. Not top five. Actually, well, good. We don't have Maybe. to. UK, you know what they say about UK, number one. Um, uh, so, yes, um, these remains and objects, according to NAGPRA, don't have to be returned unless a tribe or org makes a formal request for those items to be returned, right? So UK is like, well, we really haven't gotten these things. Um and this is also crazy because this article is mostly a rewrite of the ProPublica article. I probably should have just clicked on the ProPublica article. But, um, you know, we got to stay loyal to one of the world's worst papers, the Herald Misleader. The um, charges, the ch- okay, the charges now $20 a month. We cancel that subscription, Aaron. For, we'll for find, digital access. We will find other ways to read this paper. We can have, we can read it through the Lexington Times. Honestly. Um <laughs> I'm paying twenty bucks. I, I'm I'm opening up my Reddit subscription to R slash God. Um, Pay for our Reddit goal. <laughs> I can't even. And don't even say. I don't even know what that means actually. Um, so uh, basically, UK finally this Friday, which um, check it was the why don't I just have a calendar in front of me? Was Friday, that the was 13th. that Friday the thirteenth? Right. Of course. Happy birthday to all those who celebrate. Um, it was investing nearly. 
$900,000, which is, uh, if uh, Jay Blanton's listening, you could almost say nearly a million dollars and get away with it, maybe, to return remains to Native Americans in Kentucky. The goal of returning all remains and cultural items held in the museum in a, quote, transparent, respectful, and legal manner following meaningful collaborative consultations with official tribal representation, UK said in a news release. So, yes. Um, um, this is apparently this this investment announced on Friday was part of a long-term plan to make process on repatriation. And um, uh, I, I'm sarcasm voice here i'm totally believing them right now if i if there's anything that the university is good at doing it's keeping good on its promises and doing what's right you may be wondering what is it like to work at the department of anthropology and web museum well in 2019 12 employees from that department were fired two archaeology units were dissolved in an external review the department praised its work in training professional and archaeologists in creating outreach programs and activities while also expressing concern about the lack of a NAGRA compliance officer so in 2019 they they hired someone to become a NAGRA, NAGPRA compliance officer and they are quote committed to repatriating these things um we will see um, well, if you are listening and you work in the UK Department of Anthropology, you should join UCW, the Campus Union. Yeah. Well. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. What are hey? So, what are the chances we've had a secret, multiple Department of Archaeology listeners who were like, "Yeah, we're dedicated communists. We listen to the communist podcast about Lexington." Uh, and um, we were going to join the union, but we were waiting, waiting for the for the um, for uh, for Chairman Aaron Lame to uh, uh, to, to, to issue Lame. the order. Yeah, Chairman Lame. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Um, so yes, that is the breaking news. Um, I, I guess it's the most recent news on the feed. Um, what else is happening today? Well, folks. As we covered last month, right, in the Divine versus Yar election, right, um, after posting $70,000 of bond um, uh, to attempt to get a recount to win this election, um, Carl Divine has once again lost. Um, uh, he lost to Tiffany Yar, who won this general election by 127 votes and then picked up an additional nine votes during the recount, which you hate to see. Um, so yes, uh, this was a process overseen by like all the great crooks of the um, Lexington area, right? The court, the court clerk, the circuit clerk, um, Dom Blevins was there. Dom Blevins was there. Um, uh, what's that woman's Kathy Witt was there. Angela Evans was there. Yes. Andy Bashir was there. Andy Bashir well, was he, there. He commented on it. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, and judge Travis was like, mm, I wasn't super crazy about how this, how this recount proceeding went and offered divine the, and his lawyer time to go down and like physically examine some of the ballots and whatnot. Um, and yet they said no. So it's all, they're giving up on it and that they're going to be given back whatever, However much it costs, minus the seventy thousand or seventy thousand minus how much or however much it costed. So yeah, we'll see. Um, but yes, uh, so we will be having Yar for the next eight years. 
Um, do I know anything about these two candidates outside of this? No, frankly not. They're only getting airtime because we're observing the civic process as it goes or whatever. Anyways, folks, finally, it's Lexington, it's the Lexington Herald leaders only article about the new city council, right? Um, uh, David Wu taking front and damn. I say that every fucking episode <laughs> too. Wu. I feel so bad. Dan Wu. What's your, Hey, hey vice mayor. What's your name? Um, and, uh, you know, so he made some statements. He's like, things are good or whatever. You know, I love Lexington. I love, um, I love all this blah, 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 blah. After speaking to the city strengths, Wu named a number of challenges that he hoped to tackle during his term, including poverty, rising housing prices, too many deaths from gun violence, and the ongoing recovery of small businesses and restaurants, which, um, you know, classic. So how do we tackle these daunting challenges? Wu said, we do it together with all voices at the table and openness to out-of-the-box ideas. Um, Well, um, Vice Mayor Wu, we have some out-of-the-box ideas here on lame um if you have whatever i'm, I'm so glad you talked about these out-of-the-box ideas let's, yes. let's go and, um we're, and present them if anyone wants to know about our out-of-the-box ideas we're happy to discuss them you're happy to listen to our um existing i would say they're pretty in the box core of thought they're pretty normal holy shit here's an article i didn't even fucking i almost forgot to put in <laughs> this is me turning the car around um or the uh, large tandem bike that we record the podcast on. Whoa. Um, that, this is me getting whiplash. Yes. Uh, Streets Blog USA, I almost forgot to cover this article, um, but I've been thinking about this a lot. It was either I was either going to write something up and publish it, or I was just going to talk about it on the podcast. We're talking about it on the podcast. Cincinnati hires dedicated in-house crew to build pedestrian infrastructure. Folks, someone is doing it. Um, all right, all right. Cincinnati... And by Cincinnati, I actually mean the city of Seven Hills. Um, oh, well, yeah. hey. Well, the might as well be someone. Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, they are going to hire just five people dedicated exclusively to installing and upgrading pedestrian infrastructure, allowing the Ohio community bypass the often expensive and time-consuming, I would say always expensive and time-consuming, process of soliciting outside contractors. Um or waiting for city staffs or over, overburdened city staff to do that critical work. So, you know, um, in short, um, the city of Lexington must follow suit um, and go further than this. Um, I don't know if we ever talked to, I'm sure we've talked about, I don't know what episode it is. The, the, uh, if, um, if, if I was, if I was made comptroller, no, that's not a real, that's not a real position. Um, if, it can be. If I was the general secretary of the Lexington, um, I would simply um, uh, build an in-house construction, um, like like you know, full like construction and engineering and design firm, or whatever. And I would simply just um, start going to town um, on the houses and streets. We tear some stuff down. We throw some. Uh, we throw some uh, Khrushchevkas up. Um, you know. So. It's on Streets Blog if you want to feel. There's a lot of discussion about statistics in Cincinnati or whatever, but um, I mostly just want to say because, hey guys, look, there's this is a thing you can do, um, and that's the if, if you want to start getting serious about housing, the city of Lexington should simply throw legal precedent to the wind and start constructing its own housing, which it owns. 
um, and just start, um, uh, you know, um, launching a, uh, doing a, doing a supply, a little bit of supply side economics, um, in, in a sense. You should do like, like urban terrorism, but the terrorism is you just build houses. Sure. Yes. And this would be terrorism to some people, you know? So it's like anything. It's like, you can get rid of the, you could get rid of the parking minimums everywhere. Um, get rid of parking lots. You could get rid of all of street parking, which, um, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> there's another article about street parking, um, you know, you could, you could run the bus just on the same routes, but more frequently, you know? Um, so there's plenty of things, um, you all could do. And I'm sure, um, there will be some people already discussing these similar out of the box ideas. One final out of the box idea that no one else will be discussing to Dan Wu that I will be mentioning now is of course, um, uh, the formation of a vanguard party for the proletariat class and um, the establishment of the dictatorship of the proletariat. Um, Why this, is nobody talking about this? This could really, this could solve all of that. Poverty, house prices, gun violence, you ongoing recovery of small business and restaurants. Yeah, buddy. V.I. Lenin. You <laughs> look this guy up. <laughs> Vladimir Ilich Ulyanov. You'll love this guy. Um, anyways, um, so here's what uh, here's what Mayor Gordon's going to talk about. Um, she wants to bring back the city's commission on racial justice and equality? Question mark. No, that is just a way they said it. But um, uh, uh, work has to be done. Whatever work has to be done, she was not clear. The concrete plan she has was can pursuing a new city hall. Boo! You all should stay in that old hotel and like it. Um, growing the local economy by attracting new employers and protecting in this folks, ding, 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 ding. If you got the, your little urban service boundary expansion antennas, it should be tingling right now. Protecting our working farms, folks. She's put, she said it, she's against the expansion. Well, well, she, I mean, she's, she's always been against, but you the know. key, the key word there though is working. Oh, you think so? I think so. Protecting I'm, our working farms. I'm thinking I was I think the stress is just on farms. I think the working is sort of a uh, tongue in it's a tongue in cheek thing. Our work. Well, she's just saying well, that. She's trying say it's it. she's saying is it an, I'm I'm in my mind working is an honorific for the mm-hmm. farms because technically all of them are working, right? Well, I don't know. Are there farms like on the urban urban service boundary that are just sitting there not being worked? because if that's the case then she could be like well i'm protecting our working farms yeah well if i was Marilyn gordon i would start putting those damn farmers to work um we have a we have a collectivization program in the bay account dude yes i'm starting <laughs> i'm starting the uh i'm starting the um Coco's off uh, old frankfurt pike if you guys are interested um so here are our new city council leaders as I think we've discussed already, but just for once again, first district, Tanya Fogel, second district, Shayla Lynch, RIP, whatever that guy's fucking name was. How did I forget his name? Uh, Josh McKern. Josh McKern. Brenda Manera is in the fourth district. You all know exactly what we think about that woman. Denise Gray in the sixth district. Congrats. Um, only took you a while. Um, and then Dave Savigny, who I know nothing about in the 10th. Um, so yeah. We failed to dislodge Whitney Baxter, Fred Brown, Preston Worley, or Kathy Plowman. So I guess better not, better luck next time. Dave Savigny for Lex. Small, proven small business leader, and that's all I need to know. Well, 
Anyways, anyways. Petty bourgeois. Okay. Folks, this is an article from 2022 that I don't know. Oh, I, sh- I don't know if I should shelve it for the next one. It's been so long. This was an article that came out in November, right? Let's just talk about it. Let's let's bring it up. Here's my here's my new for those of you that are fans of the New York uh, City bankruptcy podcasters to app harvest drop dead, um, folks. Uh, not that sadly app harvest in the time since the article came out has not dropped dead, but um, let me. Uh, um, it's happening though. This is. I'm sure we've talked about it. You've come across it in your life. Um, the the uh, there is only good press until there is um, horrible collapse. You know what I mean. Um, this is true for Tesla. This is true for FTX. This is true for App Harvest. You this know? is also true for Lame Podcast. What do you mean, Aaron? There's only good press. Well, no, but there's not until there's bad press. Until there's horrible collapse, but that's not going to happen for us. Okay, so don't put us in the list, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here this article came out November twenty second. Um, uh, 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 stop me if you, if anyone anyone in the audience um, uh, the, the, stop me if you're surprised. App Harvest, the ambitious Moorhead based produce company that planned to open twelve huge high tech indoor farms across Central Appalachia by twenty twenty five, told investors this month that it's running out of cash. It is also removing two top executives as part of a restructuring that will cost up to $7 million in severance payments. A perestroika, if you will. Dude, literally. Projected net sales for 2022, which the company set at $24 million to uh, $32 million, have revised downward to $14 million to $17 million, which reminds you, $7 million of that has to go right out the door to their CIO and um, the other whoever else they fired. Um, the company blames supply chain related delays in opening three new farms. Net losses will also be worse than originally forecasted. Management, okay, this is the big quote for me. Management believes that there is a substantial doubt in our ability to continue as a going concern. App Harvest warned investors on November 7th in its 10Q filing for third quarter 2022. Absent additional sources of financing, we expect that our existing cash and cash equivalents will only allow us to continue our planned operations into the first quarter of 23. App Harvest, App Harvest is generated, blah, 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 blah. And then it just goes and it talks about all the great positive press it got, right? Um, and now they've reported a net loss of $83 million for the first nine months of the year and a net sales of $10 million with an accumulated deficit of $720 million. The company has cumulatively spent over $641 million in operations and fixed assets since 2018 when it incorporated. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I just had like a like a memory resurface. Yeah, hit me. In my, and my, I like suppressed it until this very moment. Okay, which means it was meant to be shared on the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was at a career fair uh, at UK, uh-huh. and I remember walking up to an app harvest table. Yeah. In 2018, 2019. Year one, baby. All right. Yeah. And I remember they were pitching me the idea of App Harvest. And I was like, what? You're just doing you want me to do what? Yeah. You used to greenhouses. They wanted me to program for them. Why would you program a greenhouse? I know. And I was like, this is kind of, this." I'm like, okay, whatever. I hope you succeed. But <laughs> I mean, good. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. All right. And, um, and this and is kind of thought I thought nothing of them until, yeah. and this is what's so funny about app harvest is that like, once again, it's like, it's like, everyone's like, 
how were we how were we deceived for so long about out harvest buddy because you had your head in the sand if a, a good communist over here like aaron instantly snuffed instantly sniffed it out i, I was mean, like i was like greenhouses like 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 a big com- computer greenhouses and appalachia yeah. i didn't understand that they meant that they meant that they were going to be growing things in greenhouses i thought they were i thought that was like an industry term for something i'm like surely they can't actually surely they're not surely they're not proposing acres wide greenhouses um yeah so um it's just like okay so the president um and chief operating officer have been kicked off, kicked out of the company, right? Um, and they've just recently hired a new CEO. It's just another guy from the CEA industry, which is something, oh God, I forget what it is. Environmental, controlled environment agriculture. Um, so yeah, so, um, you know, I've been, it's funny, I've been thinking, like, I don't know, look, we we may be just simple um simple we, we we may have uh we may be students of capital you know but we're no economics majors so maybe someone some others in the audience can tell us if this is a good thing or not right for, for growing your business to raise the necessary capital for its next 12 months an estimated 85 million to 95 million app harvest hosts to sell its 15 acre berea farm to its distributor mastronardi produce limited and then lease back the facility um, so, um, so Aaron, I don't know. Do you think it's a good thing that they're converting an asset into a liability like, or like, like well, an asset into like a, into an expense? I know typically in, you would, you would, businesses, you would want to, there's a big thing placed around ownership. Yeah. Yeah. And you would want to. Well, when, when most businesses start to decline, it's when their debt to profit ratio like increases. Yes. So they're taking out more debt than they can pay back. And so by when Out Harvest is is leasing the is gonna is selling it to lease, I I don't think that's not really like a debt, but it's still like it doesn't bode well for that can't be it's can't especially if you're planning to have a sort of be massive, you really don't wanna be getting you wanna be increasing your physical plant, not decreasing it. So um and of course, I don't think it mentioned it in this article, but it, I, I read it in another one. A lot of that money from the sale will actually go back to paying the debt it owns to this Mastronardi Produce Limited or whatever, mm. um, because apparently they're they are in debt to this. Um, well, and that's and that's where a lot of businesses go wrong. And the really the way to fix that is to have the worker ownership of the means of production. Yes, or even simply put, you need to get more money. And stop bleeding so much money. Just stop. Just stop spending money. How about okay? Well, this is the problem. I think this is the problem. Um, that maybe they should have thought. Maybe Mr. Webb should have thought it through. But I'm not Mr. Webb, so I can't say. You know. Maybe Martha Stewart should have tried harder. Someone who's good at math, please help me. My company of 700 people is losing 85 million dollars a month <laughs> <laughs> a year. Okay, so if the company can get cash in hand from the sale of the Berea farm, App Harvest should be able to remove the alarming, quote, substantial doubt, unquote, language from future investor disclosures. You know, they're legally legally required disclosures, says says their CFO. In the end, it's possible that App Harvest itself, not just a farm, could be acquired by a larger company, Webb said. I think we're going to have that App Harvest story in that App Harvest name, he said. But, you know, things happen all the time, which is very, very um, 
inspiring words um, from a CEO. I can't wait for our company to get swallowed up by Monopoly Capital. Yes, which is, you know... Um, Every American's dream. Honestly. Well, it's, you know, really, he just picked the wrong... Jim Webb picked the wrong time and place because if he just did this shit in, like, 2014, he would have been bought by Google and it would have been all okay, you know? Um, Google's really not liquid right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, this is this is the ultimate greenhouse as a startup concept. And you shouldn't be doing things as a startup. Like... Because here's the thing. Okay, here's the real thing about App Harvest. There is no a, a startup for a startup business to work. It implies that there's some sort of like new market to be created that is actually kind of low effort, low starting capital, like to do things or whatever, right? Like there is nothing startup about sedentary agriculture. You know what I mean? It's like you either got the you either have a lot of land and resources or you don't, and it's weird that you would have a like start up a you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like why would you even nest it in that languages you would just be starting a like a you're just creating a business you're just starting a business you know and it's like and it's like they've been living and it's like just shows like how and you know what and when i looked up recently this app harvest stuff right um like and i was looking for like more recent like yahoo finance articles about it or whatever all of these articles are very positive. Like, like in all the thing that like, you know, they're like, they hired this new COO, you know, things are looking good or whatever. And I was like, guys, what happened to the alarming state? It was in like 20 minutes ago, you know, like, so it's even now it's like, it can't stop giving like a, you know, it, 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 finance media for some reason is, is forced to become, uh, you know, has always has to pretend to be like super, like, uh, very positive and optimistic about things, even when that's like a total mistake. Anyway, fraud or puffery, um, groups of shareholders, including a public pension fund in Plymouth, Massachusetts, guys, that's on you have filed five federal lawsuits against app harvest in the last 15 months. They're unhappy about the collapse of its stock price and alleged fraud. Okay. Shares share prices nosedive from more than thirty dollars in February twenty twenty one when the company went public on the Nasdaq to about a dollar twenty this week. Oof. Yeah, if company stock trades below a dollar for more than thirty consecutive days, it can be dropped from Nasdaq. So, um, uh, this is where even more of the problems. It sounds like we all need to start getting and eating more tomatoes. Yes. Well, you got to support app harvest. Here's the problem. Oh, no. Even if you wanted the tomatoes. In reality, they said many of the tomatoes grown in Moorhead fell short of the USDA grade number one required by Mastronardi for for distribution to Kroger, Wendy's, and other national retailers. So they were rejected. When poorly trained workers could not keep up with the harvest, overripe tomatoes dropped to the ground where, quote, large numbers of gnats swarmed, they said. I can, uh, okay, so I know what it's like. You're a greenhouse worker. Yeah. You've been a greenhouse worker. I know what it's like to... Harvest tomatoes. <laughs> yes, which is we, finally it's. It, it, I, I know, folks. Uh, it, it took us two years, but we're finally covering a topic that we have expertise in. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is like to harvest tomatoes, uh-huh. and harvesting tomatoes. It is. It is interesting because they're very particular mm-hmm. about when you harvest them, and then the the tomatoes themselves ripen at different times uh-huh. if you let the tomatoes over ripen it is like the worst smell on the planet I see. it is like imagine and they, and they couldn't program this away no they couldn't mm. program they couldn't they just didn't have the right python code yeah terrible they didn't have the right sequel I, I was i was working i was trying to make a whatever i can't i'm not gonna make a programming joke um yeah 
So th- there's a you know they didn't, they didn't pound include. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> but um, but the smell of a rotting tomato when it's sitting there in the sun is akin to uh, like like a, a sweet pasta sauce that's gone like that's too sweet that's disgustingly oh, sweet oh and it as you're picking it it kind of it kind of degrades your brain and you just sort of start to lose all sense of reality oh and it's just not a good time damn they should have put this in their filing um, that's crazy all right um, and it, i mean you can do a decent amount of picking with one person but they had a shit ton yeah. of of tomatoes and from what I heard, they had a lot of problems with, um, with what are the aphids? Yes, the big aphid problem. They had a just they just didn't know how to grow tomatoes. They which also, yeah, they could have used. You know, it's not like it's not like Kentucky has a land grant university here that with can like, like look at their tomatoes with just a desperate amount of unused land for agricultural research I and mean, actually really. the amount of people i know in the college of agriculture that are like really gung-ho about app harvest is troubling i know i'm like you guys would you guys be so gung-ho if you knew what was going on over there i think they do and they're choosing not to disclose it well yeah right i mean like because because you ultimately i guess like want you're like no we can't put we can't have bad press because it would hurt greenhouses or whatever i got all my eggs in this basket of course uh, i'm going to support it yeah well i would simply you know you can jump ship some cost fallacy is real uh, yeah yeah app harvest was a young company with an inexperienced management team undertaking a massive farming endeavor for the first time in a region where workers were transitioning to a different agency industry. sorry industry forgive me um this company said is it referring to app harvest yeah okay weird what all right it's a weird whatever well because they quoted it they, they said app harvest says and then they said the company and then they just said it God, well, i'm trying to, this is what happens when you when you fuck up my when, when i got my fucked up you know a word doc that i'm reading off of it would have been evident to the ordinary investor that app harvest would encounter problems with the labor in tomato harvest and yield and yet and yet it wasn't same thing with the okay, not talking about national politics. George Santos, this guy, this federal House of Representatives, he's from New York, and he's like lied about everything in his career or whatever. And Michael Barbaro, of all people, went on Twitter and went on to accuse the general public of quote not doing their research on George Santos. And I was like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's, you're literally a journalist at the New York Times. I mean, what the fuck do you expect? I mean, I'm Michael Barbaro and I don't have to research about George Santos. There was another woman that was filling in for the daily the other day who literally was doing the Michael Barbaro voice. And I was like, actually, yes, I was like, girl, stop. I'm like, what the the fuck? Um, Do you you think Michael Barbaro does the voice? Like, is that his actual voice? (laughs) Yeah, man. Can you, can you ever turn this off? Okay. Jonathan Webb goes on to say, we're releasing the race cars onto the track, but we're still kind of in a ramp up mode on the race cars. They're still building the race. He cars. said the cars are really going to be driving by the end of 23 going into 24. And that's when these facilities start throwing off tens of millions of pounds of vegetables and fruits when we're optimizing production and that cash is thrown back into the company. So is this true? And also what's, I don't understand the race car analogy. You know, just to appeal to and there's, people. He's just kind of saying shit. 
this is the danger of uh, the, here's the real danger, right? If you if you ever need to put out a statement to the paper, always put it in writing. If you try to talk it through, it sounds insane. I'm sure if I were to read a transcript of this podcast, I would kill myself. Um, <laughs> we probably sound stupid. Uh, <laughs> That's the the Andy well, Bashir effect. Yeah, literally. Well, it's like you know when you are just listening to someone talk, there's so, so much more acceptable, like getting off topic, so much more acceptable filler. When you're reading it, it's, it's embarrassing. Um, you, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the red meat. Lex park boosts parking time, changes Saturday price. Public still upset over cost increase. This is coming from Christopher Leach. You're saying this didn't make people happy. No, apparently it didn't. December twenty second, twenty twenty two was when this pu- was when this was published. All right, um, so this is hilarious. We're gonna get some great feedback from some great local businesses. Um, uh, after listening to public comment from nearly an hour Thursday after enacting price increases for downtown parking, the Lexington Parking Authority Board made two changes to its parking policy at a special meeting called in downtown Lexington Thursday morning. Just last, well, just last week, they blah, 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 blah. New policy will make meter enforced from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Parking rates will also increase to as high as $2 an hour. First rate increase since 2019. It's the first time the parking authority has changed enforcement hours since 2008. And then there's a map, blah, 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 blah. Come on, get to the get to the goods. Um, uh, the previous limit for parking was two hours, but the board voted to expand that limit to four hours anytime after 5 p.m. on weekdays and all day on Saturdays. So the other the other approved motion reduced costs for higher price areas on Saturdays. Areas that were previously going to see an increase from a dollar fifty to or two dollars an hour will now only cost a dollar an hour on Saturdays. Areas where it can cost less than a dollar per hour to park will remain unchanged. The in-person crowd of approximately a dozen people weren't satisfied with the changes, and it did not. Can I would have loved to be in this room of just a dozen like of like the <laughs> of like the weirdest local like business owners. Um, several others attended the meeting virtually. Um, prior to the motion being passed, the board heard public comment from around 20 people who spoke in person and virtually. The main issue was brought to the board was the two hour parking limit at meters. Now this is, I think one of the most amazing, I know it's early on in the year. This might be one of the most amazing quotes for me personally of 2023 already. Sarah Brown, owner of Lucy Brown coffee bar said that the limits puts people's safety at risk since since they have to go refresh their meter or move their car at night. You are literally putting them in harm's way. You are getting us killed, and you're going to destroy our businesses, Brown said. What? Brown also brought up an issue with increased race, saying she expects less people to visit her coffee shop now. Well, Miss Sarah Brown, if I may call you that, which I don't Ms. know Brown. if I may. Brown. Um, if... If... I'm getting if if I if your customers are getting killed putting change <laughs> in the meter, why are you located like on like Lyme and Church Street? I mean, it's like what's the I don't get it. And also if it's so dangerous to be downtown, then why is your business located like in one of the most downtown areas of Lexington? Think about this, listeners of the podcast. Okay. If you go to Lucy Brown, uh-huh. When was the last time you drove to Lucy Brown? This is also really true. How many people are getting in their car and they're like, can't wait to drive to Lucy Brown's coffee? Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. This is the 
this is the ending our segment. God, inshallah, we never have to mention this coffee bar again. Um, it's just I don't know. Not that I not that I'm hating on anyone for going there, but um, come on, man, you're literally getting killed <laughs> out there. Apparently, um, that's physically taking money out of my pocket and putting it into your own, and I've had no say in it. Um, uh, which is um, no taxation without representation. This is really rich, man. Trish Tungate, owner of the downtown restaurant Minglewood, which is um, check it next door to Lucy Brown's um, for those of you that not it's on the same block said if people said if people work a 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. shift downtown four days a week they'll pay approximately $400 a month 400 sorry $240 a month or almost 3,000 a year in parking fees Trish what employee is working is it works for you full time um, and uh pays for street parking like that monthly parker portal they have literally i'm on lex park's website right now <laughs> look look <laughs> monthly parking is not cheap but it's like 90 bucks a month or something after yeah. all the fees you put on it Fine, so i don't parking. i can't I'm, it's literally someone that's good at math please okay. help me my family is starving yeah you can park at the helix garage for 21 dollars a month no, no no that's actually not true they lie to you click on that click on okay, it again park here today 65 bucks a month right I mean, whatever. It's less than two thousand, dude. Yes, I mean, literally. It's it's curious, um, but yeah. I don't want to make an account. I know it's. I'm not. All right, we're on the parking website. I'm not making an. I'm account. not making a parking account on Lame Podcast. We already have a worker shortage. To ask people to come out and pay three and a half months worth of rent to work downtown is a little excessive. One, that's not true. Two, um. Uh, so, oh, something else. I wouldn't want to do it personally if I was working on tips, right? Well, just pay your workers more then. This is the other problem. Where are they parking? Yes, right? <laughs> I just, I'm really, this is really, it's like a real certain hypothetical. This is, this doesn't, this is an argument that doesn't need to be made. No, I don't understand. I don't, okay. Fine. All right, we're going to get – this is the most controversial one because we're going to be talking about um, places near dear to my heart. Kevin Heathcote, the owner of Bourbon oh, and Toulouse. Kevin. Kevin expressed his disagreement with the addition of parking rates on Saturdays and argued that it should at least be consistent for the entire weekend. This is hilarious. Um, I mean, at least, he, at least that's like – I could see that argument. It's uh, This is like a great little st- – this is a great little – on Sundays, we're not paying meters. We're going to punish the sinners on Saturday, but the saints going to church and not have to pay, Heathcote said. I would question why we're not even considering Sunday if you're going to do Saturday. Vice Mayor, hold off on implementing high price hikes. <laughs> Dan Wu spoke during the meeting. He didn't criticize the parking policy, but asked the board to hold off on implementing the changes until they can come in front of a council when the council returns in January and give a presentation. My biggest concern is that this whole change-up issue is that I don't think that there's enough input either publicly or from the city government for this change, especially if it's a big of a change that it is. I think the rate changes are significant, and I think the hour changes, the enforcement hours, are going to go up over 50% from 45 hours a week to 72. It's very significant, and I think it requires more input. Um, so yeah, uh, then the board, the chairman of Lex Park said he would be happy to go before the council if requested. Um, folks, I'm assuming it went, it happened. I have no, heard no know. update from, from, I've, I've not read anything more on the Herald Leader. 
which you would think ostensibly covers this. I guess so. I guess guess this is not, in the spirit of the last article, I guess it's on me for not having to, for not having attended every meeting and um, simply discovered this. Or actually, it's not on me for not, I guess I would discover it if I paid to park downtown. Um, I don't know. What are you looking at? Here? Oh, I was a, uh, you're just on this guy's Twitter. No, I'm just looking. At P- Peter Bourne tweeted out. Um, yeah, what's he got? It said invitation hey, to um, a, a dinner buffet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for Ryan Corals. Okay. Is all right. All right, Aaron. Where are you going with uh, this? Featuring author. Feature. Oh, it's a book. Okay, it's a book thing. Talking about for Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly, Twelve Seconds in the Dark, a police officer's firsthand account of of the Breonna Taylor raid. (laughs) So what are we (laughs) having? It I don't know. It just caught my attention because I was looking up Blake Hall's Twitter. God, all right, that's like all right. Okay, okay, but here's here's what I am I am noticing. And did Steve K get this much press when he was vice mayor? Uh, not. I mean, he's got. Uh, let me say this. He's been in the news. I know he's been in the news. But Dan but... Wu. I mean, or should I say future mayor Dan Wu? At the rate they're covering mayor this guy. Wu. Mayor Wu. Um. I don't. Aaron, you should get off Twitter. I'm looking what at you, Blake Hall's Twitter. You're looking at Blake Hall's Twitter. Do that on your own time, Aaron. Oh well, my God. I'm just trying to figure out if anything has happened, and the answer is is it doesn't seem that anything has happened okay okay well um i guess that does it um i have a bunch more articles about the fate school board that i will get into at some other point <laughs> i honestly fucking hate covering the fate school board <coughs> so you've had you got the best articles already and yeah. uh yeah with I like that all fate school board oh my god it's literally it's terrible actually all right aaron what do you got you're listening to the middle. Oh yeah, we're doing the right of, of lame. Uh huh. You can follow us. Don't follow us on Twitter. Oh, okay. Unfollow right. us. No. Oh okay. Actually no. Just never mind. Okay. <clears throat> well, because I guess is this still is this still cool to hate Twitter? I don't know. I think people have gotten. Or do people care anymore? I don't think people care anymore now. Okay. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at lame pod. I think we gained a follower actually since well, last time. Well, that's tight. Um. Uh, email us at lamepod at protonmail.com. Yeah. Um, you can leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. And we have stickers that you can acquire. Quite beautiful stickers. Very nice stickers. Um, we will give them, get them to you at no cost. By Claire Thompson from ClaireThompsonArt.com. Uh huh. And if you want them, we'll give them to you. And with that, I don't think I have anything else to say. Let's Thank go God. on to side B. Yeah, Aaron, what's he got? What do you got? What do you got? Okay, well, I have a couple of things here. Um, some things are happening state-wise. Okay. Um, we're going to be getting into some bills later. Um, but a lot of people have new jobs. Oh. Have you, do you know there was an election last year? So there was an election last year, and this means people have new jobs? And there's new people oh. in the government. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of those people All right. is is Charles Booker. Charles Booker won an election. No, oh, but he got a job. Where does he? Where is he working now? In the Bashir administration. What does he do? Well, I'll tell you. Oh shit! It better be something good. <laughs> um, Bashir or Booker, not Bashir. That's good. Um, 
Bashir, God fucking damn it. Uh, and I believe in Booker, you. a former state lawmaker and two unsuccess two time unsuccessful state senate or state uh two time unsuccessful senate candidate, said in a statement he was inspired to take on this opportunity in Bashir's administration. Um he is going to be the he's like appointed to run um community and faith based here we go. Head the governor's office of faith-based faith-based initiatives and community involvement. Jeez, okay. that was a rough. I just had like a stroke. That was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can I can tell you've been out of it. Yeah. Damn, Aaron. Um, and also to Charles Booker. All right, man. I don't know. They shouldn't let him run for anything again. Well, I think that's what this is. Yeah. Um. He says he's excited to do this. He's honored to continue his service. Um, the appointment comes as the governor seeks a second term this year in the GOP trending Kentucky. A dozen Republicans are competing for their party's nomination, one of whom is not Matt Bevin, because Matt Bevin did not. Oh my God, we didn't even cover yeah. this. Did you hear Matt, about this? Matt Bevin walks into that uh, walks into the the Capitol building or whatever office where you file this shit. The Capitol. Yes, makes a speech. And then walks out and doesn't file for governor. That's amazing. I mean, that's Truly, like... Honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. No, that's like really, honestly, an inspired, like, to <laughs> even bother to do any of that shit. That's like hilarious, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it was. I don't even know what he had to say. And I don't, I guess I don't, I, I don't care. Yeah. But I'm just like, that's the way that everyone's like, it's like, it's like the two days before the filing deadline. Will, will Matt Bevin run for governor again? And I'm like, no way. And then he comes to the Capitol. I'm like, no way. And then he leaves. And I was like, oh, polling shows huh? Bashir has maintained high approval ratings from Kentuckians while leading the state through really? a series of tragedies. People like him. People like Andy Bashir. Well, that's that's good. I could I like I, I'm I would prefer Andy Bashir to um, any Republican. Matt Bevin certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, get, looking at the roster of people, did Warren Quarles ever file to run? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess I would. I guess I'm gonna have to punch one in for Bashir again. Well, actually, does he have any good primary challengers? Jeff Young. How could I fucking forget? <laughs> <laughs> have we covered that yet? Yeah, we have. I okay, think we good. have. Jeff Young is Whatever. running. Whatever. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you know all about Jeff Young running for governor. Jeff Young is running for governor. He that man, that man, his uh, his financial situation gets worse with every election he loses. Against, against D war criminal Andy Bashir. D war criminal. It's so good. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyways, anyways. Um, um Charles Booker's got a job. Charles Booker's got a job, and so do a lot of other people. Okay. Um. So, in if you're listening, if you're the target audience of this podcast, okay. you know, when you're in school and you have to identify your target audience, okay. our target audience is people in Fayette County, as oh. you, if you couldn't tell by the Lexington mm, and that's Lane. True. Yeah. Um. And so there are many new representatives and senators who I'm going to go through right now. Matt Lockett. R, war criminal. Kill- <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right, okay. Killian Timoney, R, war criminal. Ryan Dotson, R, war criminal. Chad Owl, D. That's probably... <laughs> well, well his man. track record remains to be seen, but yes. Lindsay Burke, D, war criminal. <laughs> 
<laughs> George Brown Jr. Um, everyone else is a Democrat. Cheryl Stevenson and Lemon Lemon Swan. Um, Chad Owl, you might remember from we talked about him on the show. Yes, um, member of UCW Kentucky. Yes, fellow rank and file fank, file member. Fank, fellow rank and file member. Fank and Ryle. That's good, Aaron. That's good. Um, the whatever like Wernicke's area in my brain, I guess, has just like decided not to work anymore. Yeah. Oh well. Um, we have some senators too. Donald Douglas. Here's a new one. This is crazy. Amanda Mays Bledsoe. Yeah. Our war criminal. Our war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie Thomas. Here, I was surprised at this one. This was shocked. This the, the 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 journey that Aaron went through when she learned this terrible truth. I mean, Damon Thayer. Damon Thayer re- represents a not insignificant portion of Kentucky of, of of not Kentucky of Fayette County. Yes, which I guess according to this podcast is all the you know Fayette County is Kentucky. Yes, last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen West, our war criminal. Damon Thayer is also our war criminal. Yes. Um, Jared Carpenter, our war criminal. And of course, there's actually a vacant seat. Oh. There's a vacant seat in uh, Senate District um, Senate District 28, which looking at the map... And looking at the map of council districts is Council District 6, which means that David Kloiber can run for this seat. David Kloiber should try to go to state government. I think that could be good for him. Um, and this is this is what I will I will support David Kloiber this running is for how, state senate. This is how Kloiber can still win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is how Kloiber can and will still win. Uh-huh. Um, David Kloiber is in the prime position to fill this vacant seat. Um, if I was Andy Bashir, I would nominate him immediately uh-huh. to get another Democrat into the Senate. Plus, you're putting an esteemed individual, yes, David Kloiber, mm-hmm. into a man who famously knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. He's got money. He's got a foundation. He cares about the children. Yes, put him in office. Put that man in office. He knows about complete streets. Yes. He even knows about complete streets. He knows what a road is. Yeah, when do we get to take down all of our uh, Kloiber fan merch in the studio? Never. Yeah, that's true. Because I, we're gearing actually, up for the Senate campaign. That's so true. I was going to say, it becomes, actually, it becomes better every day that we have it <laughs> post-election. <laughs> right underneath the Charles Booker for Senate. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, well, that one's not going to age so well, but... Mm. David Kloiber Kloiber for mayor is really tight. David Kloiber, if you're listening, I'm glad I got to meet you at the at the the donut shop that no one goes to. The cronut shop. The cronut shop. The whatever parlor donuts, yeah. Cronut. It's croissant donuts. Oh, I was I was imagining cronut like Kloiber donut. And this is what can happen if you elect David Kloiber. (laughs) David Kloiber can make a new kind of pastry for the city. There's a new, there's a couple of new people on the Supreme Court. We have a new chief justice and you're never going to guess who it is. Is it Larry Van Meter? Yes. Oh, well. Oh, sorry, Aaron. I didn't mean it's it's, it's Larry Van Meter. That's crazy. Can you imagine a Van Meter holding power in Kentucky? Wow. Anyway. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, man. Congrats, Larry. Yay, Larry. What's it? What are, what, and what's he going to do about it? Well, this ties into our next article, actually, because there's a new Kentucky Supreme Court. Here's how that impacts current abortion bans. Because if you remember, they were hearing uh, a case in November. Right. Remember in November that they were hearing a case. 
and uh, the new the new court just got sworn in, uh-huh. and they weren't done with the case. Okay. So now they have to do, continue the case, but with a new court. Okay. And so there's some there's some issues with that. I mean, it's not a completely new court because there are still um, there's like only two people are new. Uh huh. Um, but they they are they're trying to figure out are they going to just re argue the case or yeah. are they just going to bring the other justices up to speed? How did they allow for this to happen in the first? Why would you schedule a case like this? This is this is honestly the question of of the decade. Okay. Of the century. Yeah. Um. Kurt Metzmeyer, University of Louisville law professor and interim director of the university's law library, um, says there are two ways this could happen. Justices themselves call could call for a second round of oral arguments, or either party could petition the court to allow them to re-argue the case. Um, there's no precedent on the constitutionality of abortion. Do they even talk about this? No, they're just like, okay, that happened. Okay, crazy. Well, um, thank you. Thank you, Alex Aquisto. So is it going to happen? Are they going to do it? Um, they're still trying to figure out if they're going to re-argue the case or not. Okay. Of course, Daniel Cameron um, is just like ready for the... Chomping at the damn chomp, bit. Chomping at the bits. Because I, you know, I bet he knows that if he gets this case, he can use that in his governor campaign. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that'd be huge for him. Um, oh God, who's, who do you think is going to... It's going to be... Is it going to be Kelly Craft? Is it going to be Dan Cameron? Know. It could be anyone. It's hard to say. Yeah. I would say, if I was betting, um, I would say Bashir's going to run. Okay. Well, it's going to be Bashir versus someone. Well, who? It's going to be Bashir versus someone. Well, okay, Bashir's... You mean Bashir's going to win the... I mean, Bashir's already filed. Yeah, Bashir's going to file. The filing date has passed. I know. He's not going. He has filed. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm saying Bashir's going to be facing somebody in the election. That's my prediction. Well, that's very helpful, Aaron. Yeah, there's 12. Okay, so Kentucky Republican governor candidates. Yeah. This is how Savannah Maddox can still win. And we're out of internet, and it's happened again. It's uh, well. <laughs> 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 You've wasted another perfectly good hour. Not a cell phone in sight, folks. <laughs> Our senior executive producer is Charlie Carey. Our stickers and graphics are designed by Claire Thompson from ClaireThompsonArt.com. And if you don't get this episode today, well, you know why. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LamePod. Email us at LexLamePod <laughs> at gmail.com or LamePod at ProtonMail.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, it, well, if we can get the damn email, and even though, and even though the internet companies uh, disconnect our service every time they hear us say it, this is lame. All right.